Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Powerful songs of truth that we just sung this morning, aren't they? And I'm a little out of breath. And I know the praise team is, and probably you are too. <laughs> Will you turn with me to Psalm 118, where we read earlier? Next weekend uh, is Memorial Day weekend. And on a few occasions, uh, even as I was a child prior to my military service, I remember attending observances for this meaningful holiday. My grandparents always used to take me out. And we'd visit loved ones' graves and those in our family who were veterans. Uh, at almost every one, there was some type of memorial at the center. And what I mean is some type of uh, granite or maybe some other beautiful stone memorial that was there to remind any who saw it what that day was truly all about. Now, we might not consider this, but um, those memorials, they're not just for our memory, Uh, to remind us of the sacrifice that so many have made for our freedom. I I think they're also there to be motivating. And um, I remember when I was in the service, a group of us were out in public, probably at some restaurant or something. Um, Can't remember exactly where it was. Uh, And people would often, especially in Fayetteville, in that community, they would thank us uh, for what we were doing. They might say something like, we can't thank you enough. And I recall one time when One of our senior NCOs was with us, and um, he said, you know, the best way to thank us is by being the type of American that's worth fighting for, that's worth dying for. And I would hope that that is what citizens are motivated to do um, this coming weekend and every time uh, Memorial Day or Independence Day or Veterans Day is celebrated or any time you might see some military memorial. Uh, I hope it's motivating. So how does all that tie into what we're doing here today and what we just read in Psalm 118. Um, This is just personal opinion from me, but I I feel like far too often the Lord's Supper uh, ends up being something that just kind of gets tacked on to the end of a service um, quarterly or however often a church does it. And it's something I've never been too fond of. And that's because together with baptism, I mean, these are the two ordinances that Jesus Christ, two gifts that he gave the church, two um, sermons in uh, action. That's what both of those things are. Um, You might hear some people call them sacraments. There are some uh, denominations that do that. Catholicism talks about that. When When you say sacrament, it means it has saving power. That that bread and that juice has no saving power for you, unless it's a reminder of what you've already received from Jesus Christ. That, that water, um, it will not do anything for you but make you a wet sinner if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. But for us who have, they're not just beautiful memorials. They should be motivating memorials. Um, Psalm 118 is the last of what are known as the Hallel 
psalms. They're called that as short form of hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. So the last of the praise songs we could say, um, Psalm 113 to 118 are known as the Hallel Psalms. Um, and they were songs that were sung by God's people, especially on joyous or special occasions. This final one, Psalm 118 that we read earlier, and we're going to briefly study now, it was particularly meaningful at Passover. Uh, and, and there is an extremely high likelihood that what we read and what we're studying now was the song that was sung by Jesus and his disciples at that Passover celebration, at that first Lord's Supper observance that now we celebrate today. God gives us the gift of his sustaining grace in this motivating memorial of the Lord's Supper or communion. Let's pray before we look at this chapter. Father, we come to you this morning um, just amazed uh, at your love for us. Help us never lose the awe of what you did to redeem us. And we thank you for all you are for us in Jesus Christ, that, um, that we are saved from the penalty of sin and eternity uh, away from you in hell. But we're also saved, even right now, from the power of sin over our lives, that we have the Holy Spirit and your living, active, powerful word that you use to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ, where chains are falling. And um, God, I pray that we would live in that truth, live in that power you make available to us. Even as we celebrate through the Lord's Supper, thank you for this gift of grace that sustains us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Verses 1 to 5 here of Psalm 118 are, are a reminder of our redemption. We sung about it this morning while this psalm was penned by David centuries before Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem, coming to earth to provide us a salvation from our sins. There's no question that this psalm is messianic in its content. Not entirely. Not every verse would pertain to Jesus, but primarily it's about the then coming Messiah, Savior, Jesus Christ. The first four verses are a call for all of God's people who have been redeemed to praise him for the salvation that he delivers to us. In unending praise, we are to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Is God good? All the time, right? He's not just good. No, his mercy, his covenant love, that's that Hebrew word chesed, some of you might be familiar with, really talking about our salvation, that relationship that uh, Christians always refer to, that covenant love, that steadfast love that won't end ever for the Christian, it endures forever. And in all of our worship, we are to praise God for this. When we come together as a church, we do this in various ways. Um, we've already done it this morning. But every so often, we worship God by giving him thanks and praising him through observing the Lord's Supper. Uh, it is a powerful reminder of our redemption, of that covenant love from God that is ours in Jesus Christ, by God's grace and through faith. The bread reminding us of Jesus' body that was broken for us. Uh, the cup reminding us of his shed blood to pay the penalty for our sins, to wash us clean give us holiness in the presence of God. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, there was a moment in your life when you, when you realized the reality of verse 5. It says, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me, and he set me in a large place. You remember that? Literally, verse 5, when it says, I called to the Lord in distress. In distress in the Hebrew means I was in a tight place. 
before we trusted Christ as the Savior, were we in a tight place? Bound. Imprisoned. That's where we were. Uh, but then, Jesus stepped in. You heard about who he is and what he did for you. And the Holy Spirit used God's word to urge you to do what the rest of verse 5 says. You called on the Lord and he set you in a large place. He freed you from those chains. He freed you from that prison. Later this morning, as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us through observing the Lord's Supper, we are participating in a powerful reminder of the redemption in this motivating memorial. Now, it's also a reminder of our resource, verses 6 to 18, as we await uh, here, even today, the completion of our salvation when, when Jesus returns or when he calls us home to heaven uh, to receive our reward. We still face enemies, like verses 6 to 13 talks about. I mean, we're saved, but we still have enemies. We have no greater enemies than Satan and sin, and too often even ourselves, our old sin nature that we, we have to battle until uh, our salvation is entirely complete in that coming day. But the Lord's Supper, this motivating memorial, uh, it's also a powerful reminder that we have a resource that's greater than any of these enemies. And you look at the hope we have in verses 13 to 16. It's talking about the enemies. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. And the Lord, he's my strength and he's my song. He's become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation. It's in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Go back up to verse 8. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That's such a beautiful description of saving faith. You know, verse 8 is the middle verse in all the Bible. Genesis 1, 1, all the way to Revelation, the very end. Middle verse. We could say maybe that this is a central theme that God is trying to draw our attention to here in this middle chapter of the Bible. Uh, a reminder of our resource. Our, while our enemies, they, they thrust at us sore, powerfully. Sometimes it feels like unendingly. We have, what is verse 13? We have the Lord to help us. That's what the promise is there. He's present. He's present even here in this motivating memorial that we're going to celebrate. He's our strength. He's our song. He's our salvation. And we are reminded of this God's presence with us and the strength that he provides through this observance. And it should cause our voices to do what verse 15 says, rejoice together because the right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. And it says it again, the right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. If you know the precious promises that are in God's word, uh, you know anytime that you hear that phrase, the right hand of the Lord, uh, it has a reference to the one who's no longer on that rugged cross we sang about. He's no longer in that cold, dark grave. He's victoriously conquered sin and death, and he's ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Anytime you see that right hand, it ought to point you to Jesus Christ. He's there. We learn that in Hebrews. He's interceding for us. In this motivating memorial, we're reminded of, of this eternal resource that you and I have. While we await uh, Christ's return, we need not fear any enemy. 
We not, need not give in to their assaults. We can have victory over sin. We are new creations hidden uh, in Christ Jesus, as Colossians 3, 3 tells us. We can reckon ourselves, truly see ourselves as dead to sin, as Romans 6 says, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Church, he's not just a resource for salvation uh, to eternal life then and there someday. That Jesus does so much more for you. This is a resource for a new life in Christ here and now. This reminder, this motivating memorial. When the devil draws doubt or fear our way, we can remember the precious promise of Romans 8, 31 and 32. What shall we say then to these things? These gospel truths. If God is for us, well, who can be against us? Do you need some evidence? Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Do you have a resource right now? Yeah. Be reminded of it this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and go into this week with the, the power that God delivers to you in this motivating memorial. And then verses 19 to 29. This also should be a, also should be a reminder of our response um, because, because of our redemption from sin, death, and hell. And because of the eternal resource that we have in Jesus Christ, verses 19 to 29 remind us of what should be our response. Let's read verses 19 to 21. It says, Open me, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Verse 22, the stone which the builders refused or rejected. It's become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. So in verse 22 there, we're reminded of who this song is all about and um, who and, and what we are really doing here this morning is all about. It's about Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of the church and of our lives. He is our firm foundation. Only him. He was rejected by some, refused by some. I pray he was received by every one of us here. And in verse 23, he says that this is the Lord's doing. That's the best part. It's the Lord's doing. It's not your doing. It's not mine. Our salvation is completely of God's design. It's entirely of his grace. Is it marvelous in your eyes? This morning, is it marvelous in your eyes? Well, then do what verse 24 says to do. Rejoice and be glad today. You know, every day is a day that the Lord has made, is it not? But in context here, he's talking about the day of our salvation. Do you remember that day when you trusted Christ as Savior? And if you have, he's talking about every day that you live in that salvation, that you live in that grace. Whatever might come your way, whatever news you might get, whatever trial or tribulation you might go through, you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it if you've been saved. Every day. We should cry out like the psalmist leads us to here in verses 25 to 27. This is what the people did as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, laying down palm branches. God help our praise to be a lot longer than theirs. Not as short, uh, not as fickle. But we should sing what they sing here in verse 25 to 27. Save now, I beseech you, literally, Hosanna. 
That's what it means in, in the Hebrew. Rejoice and be glad that, as verse 27 says, God has shown us light. Who is that light? It's Jesus Christ, isn't he? The light of the world. And then it talks in verse 27 about the sacrifice, and it's Jesus Christ. We sung about it this morning. It's Jesus Christ who was bound to that cross, who was offered on the altar of heaven to be before God an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In a few minutes, we're going to take a cup that symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus Christ for our sins. What a motivating memorial that reminds us of our response to praise him for the salvation that he provides us. And we've praised him this morning. We've sung powerful songs, richly doctrinal and truth. But can you just turn two chapters back to Psalm 116? It's another hallelujah psalm. Um, And I want you to notice with me what God says our response to him should be for all he has done for us. In verses 12 and 13, And here David says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Have you ever wondered that? Like when you're just struck by God's amazing grace, as I pray you have been even this morning. Have you ever wondered what it is God wants as as your response? Well, he tells us in, in, in verse 13, I will take up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. That's the response that God wants. Here's what our praise should look like. Lived out rejoicing and being glad every day. This is what it should look like. God tells us right there in verse 13, I will take up the cup of salvation and I will continue to call on the name of the Lord. That's what God wants from you. That's the response he wants even as we celebrate this. This is the rejoice response that he desires. I will take up the cup of, my, of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I know you did that if you trusted Christ as Savior. Well, keep on. That's, that's a response God wants from you. That's a message here. Yes, praise from our lips, but, but praise from, from our lives as we continue to trust in him and continue to go to him. The moment you first came to Christ, that moment you first trusted him as your Savior, it was just the beginning. What he wants is your continued faith, your daily dependence. Listen, he is never more glorified or praised than in your response of continuing to come to him with a cup of salvation lifted up in your hands and you asking more. I want more. Uh, He's never more glorified, praised, or worshipped than when we continue to call on his name. He's never more glorified, praised, or worshipped than when we're most satisfied in him. Not looking anywhere else. That's what celebrating the Lord's Supper should be for us. Psalm 118 ends in the last two verses just as it began. Calling us to praise and exalt the Lord for his goodness. For his never-ending faithful love to us. Ask Tommy to come up at this time. And so let's do that as we're motivated by this memorial. Being the kind of Jesus follower that's worth fighting for, that's worth dying for.